Anyway, you're gonna have fun. You get to hear me talk. I can talk without stopping sometimes for maybe 12 hours. And you get to listen, so you're lucky. Well done. Years, beers, beers. Welcome to the podcast, Mouse Madness. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness. It was like, did you get that? Like, no. is that kind of close? I missed it. I don't know what that was like. Doing. That was an encanto. That was an encanto. Sorry, it's like without the background music, it yeah. doesn't. You know what? Whatever. We're just going to let it ride. We're going to leave it. We'll leave it. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersocks. Uh, I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at MouseMadnessPod. Send us an email at MouseMadnessPodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash MouseMadnessKyle. Um, we're back and, and we're ready to to put a bow on 2021 and finally declare the winner of our best Disney thing of 2021 bracket. You know what's surprising to me about last episode is you and I, our fandom really stems from the parks and we sent a lot of park stuff home in the last bracket and instead we've kept around movies marvel series all sorts of things and it feels like a backward experience for us who usually are all about the parks but unless you do it right you're not getting our fandom around it i guess so i Um, guess so and to help us crown the winner of this 2021 best disney thing bracket it's our buddy Michael, Michael, welcome back to the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me back. Back to back podcast, back to back years. Let's get it. Oh yeah, this is just gonna become our our annual traditions. Be like, all right, where's Mike at? It's time to do our year in review. Yep. Especially from an East Coast perspective, because as we brought up last episode, we hadn't seen Harmonious. You'd been able to see at least the first fifteen minutes, which was over half of the show, anyways. You got to go on Remy. We hadn't been able to go on Remy. So we need a, a boots on the ground reporter to really clue us into some of this stuff. You brought up last time that uh, the Beauty and the Beast sing-along was actually good. And you felt it was better than the Remy Ratatouille adventure attraction. Can you hit me with a little description as to like what this sing-along is? What, what, is it a show? Is it a, what, what, what's happening here? Oh, it's it's like super simple. It really is not like a lot to it. It just goes through like the basic um, music montages of Beauty and the Beast and the scenes from the movie and everybody sings along. Just kind of a fun little get together where everybody's singing their favorite Beauty and the Beast songs, you know? Is there a leader? Is there like a cast member that's like saint, like prompts everyone to sing along or is it just like a crowd led situation where... So, okay, okay. I think I I remember. There's a there's a more of more to it. So the basis of the sing along is that 
LeFou is actually like the true hero in Beauty and the Beast and that he realistically protects Belle, the Beast, and everybody like in the long run. And so it kind of goes through that little timeline of it and how, you know, they point out how Gaston's even more of a jerk and how LeFou is now just like all about being a good guy. And that's where they go through all those music montages and you kind of get little snippets of LeFou in the background doing things. It's a, it's, it's a good little time. It's like 15 minutes, but uh, you know, it's, just as good as being as looking at a 3d screen of chef skinner <laughs> running to try and catch you while you run around uh the kitchen and uh ratatouille um well folks uh before we talk 2021 let's talk spoonfuls of sugar kyle what's in your cup recently being the holiday season that we just got through also happy new year everybody uh Hope you had a great, safe new year. But I uh, partook in the Costco wine advent calendar during the holiday season, where once a day, you get a little baby bottle of wine, uh, and it's enough for two glasses. So Nina and I were able to swap out these these wines and, and have, have a glass of wine with dinner every night. And it's kind of like a drinking around the world situation in a box. And I was gone for the holidays. I was gone during my birthday. And so that we had a backlog of these little wine bottles. And so we're catching back up on them. Even though we're past the holidays, we're in the new year. So I have a red wine that is called Champs Ancients. And it's a Grenache and Syrah. And it's from France. So I'm not a big wine guy. All None of that matters to me. I don't even know what any of that means, but it is a tasty red wine for the cold January season. And I, you know, I enjoy it. Red wines just taste like red wines to me, no matter what they are. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend doing the advent calendar. Uh, It's very fun. It's fun to open up each day and see what you got. Uh, It's, it's a tradition now of ours. So highly recommend. Chris, what have you got? All right. Uh, this is my first time in a long time. Your boys doing back to back hard alcohol. I don't oh. know. I don't know. This, this one's for Jerry's gang. I don't yeah. know if you know what I'm about to do right now. I don't. All right. I, like you're about what I got? Cook meth. I, exactly. This is basically what I'm about <laughs> to do. Uh, in this glass is uh, some absinthe. So so we so we, it's about to get crazy. Yeah, mouth, we're, we're going on an adventure right now. Uh, absinthe was illegal in the U.S. until 2007, oh. uh, and it's just a, it's just another type of alcohol. But I guess the wine company somehow convinced the government that absinthe had hallucinogenic effects to it, and it's that's not true. Uh, it's just basically an alcohol that's made from wormwood and anise or anise or it's like a it's like they're both kind of like seasoned. It's very like fragrant. Very foresty tasting alcohol. It tastes a lot like black licorice, but the traditional way to drink absinthe is to put uh, a sugar cube. I don't have a sugar cube, so I just have some sugar in a spoon uh, <laughs> over the absinthe glass, and then Feels you slowly very, you very slowly literal. pour slowly pour cold water over the sugar, uh, and then it will slowly trickle into the glass. 
and the drink will turn, the absinthe will turn from a clear liquid into this kind of like milky white, uh, milky white substance. Oh, uh, yeah. As you can see, it's kind of bluish, bluish, milky white. Um, and that's your, and that's your absinthe cocktail right there. Water, sugar, water, a spoonful of sugar. And Liter- this is a literal spoonful of sugar. Let, let's give it a taste here. Oh, very absinthe. <laughs> what does absinthe um, taste like? It tastes like black licorice. Uh, with a little, it's interesting. Most alcohols, like you drink them and you, the, the, the bite is like at the end. Yeah. You know, it's like, Ooh, that one's st- like, you know, I had to chase that one. Yeah. Absinthe is the opposite where like it, the, the like nasty tasting part is at the beginning and then the end tastes really good. Huh. Well, there you go. Nice. So, uh, like, I gave some to Julia, and she, like, spit it out. <laughs> she, like, she did, like, a literal spit take, like, in the movies. I was like, here, take a sip. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, Michael, uh, you're, from, you're from the South. You're from Bama. Absinthe is big in NOLA? Yeah. Yeah, it's a big NOLA thing. There's a, a couple absinthe bars. Ooh, One of which is uh, supposedly haunted. So a haunted absinthe bar. I I know I know where I'm celebrating my 30th birthday. Yeah, for real. Wow. Yeah, Michael, what do you got in a in a spoonful of sugar this week? Ooh, uh, so nice. I had to do it twice. I'm back with the sour patch beer. So uh, so refreshing, smooth, out of Alabama. So trying to. It says stay fancy. Ooh. On the uh, can as well, so yeah, I'm I'm staying fancy. Is that a sour that has a fruit flavor to it? It is a sour that is a sour. It okay. is definitely on the. It is on a pucker level sour like Ooh. spectrum. Sour, Ooh. sour. I like that. I like that. No, like no BS. No, like mango in there. No apple and just straight up just sour sensing. That's how you know it's good. <laughs> Melted warheads. Um, before we talk 2021, I just very quickly want to do, uh, maybe some predictions for 2022. Yeah. Uh, it, it's always a fun thing to, to, to go into the year and be like, here's what I think might go down. Uh, there is no shortage of Disney news that bombards our timelines every single day. Uh, Kyle, do you have anything that you think is going to happen in 2022 from a Disney perspective that has not been previously announced or maybe something that was previously announced that you were predicting is never going to happen or is going to be canceled. Yeah. I this answer is both real and fake at the same time. I'll do oh, the boy. fake one first. Oh, Just close your eyes. We are in we're currently in January of 2022 and just in a few weeks. It's Martin Luther King Day. As the day that they are going to announce that they will be shutting down Splash Mountain to renovate no, it into no. Tiana's Treehouse of Terror. No, 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 no. The real answer is that they're going to wait until uh, until June and they're going to announce its closure. And we're going to have Splash Mountain closed through the summer because that doesn't make sense. But that's what Disney would do. And we would have a fall opening for the holiday season of the new refurbed and redesigned and reimagined Splash Mountain. Uh, and it's going to happen in both parks. There's going to be a whole like farewell 
thing for Splash Mountain where there's going to be special merch and experiences, kind of like what they did with the Tower of Terror, where they were like the 13th hour, you got to come in after after park closed and have the special event. They're going to do something similar to Splash Mountain, probably not as extravagant as that, but it's going to be some sort of experience that they can upcharge you for. Uh, and it's going to be a really dramatic farewell and people are going to be so upset. They're going to be so sad that they can't relive the stories of Br'er Rabbit. But I think that Tiana is going to open up and it's going to be a really good change for all of us. And we're going to really like it. And from what we see in the announcements, uh, it sounds like there's going to be new music specific for this ride. And if we know anything about Princesses, Princess and the Frog, the music and the influence of of New Orleans jazz is pretty solid. So I think it's going to fit in well with New Orleans Square in Disneyland. And I think we're going to really enjoy it. But that's my prediction. It has about six more months on it. They're going to announce that it's closing. They're going to close it and we're going to see it this upcoming holiday season. Uh, my 2022 prediction, I, 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 don't, I guess I don't know some of the behind the scenes details. So maybe this is totally off base and, and would never happen. Uh, 90s nostalgia. I think we've been we've been nostalgic for everything the 90s has has to offer, and we're creeping up through the 2000s already. Yep. Uh, we've seen things like High School Musical, the musical, reach great success on Disney Plus. So I am predicting the return of another 2000s Disney franchise. Hannah Montana will be announced making a return. At some point, uh, I guess Investors Day or Disney Plus Day or whatever, uh, yeah. they'll, they'll make that announcement at some point that Hannah Montana will be coming back in the near future, whether that's with Miley Cyrus or with some kind of uh, reboot that, that uh, you know, Jason Earls has a kid oh, now gosh. who is, you know, <laughs> Hannah Montana too. Jason she's Earls Hannah, is now 65 uh, playing a 40-year-old. Her, her name's like... Uh, you know, Shinoa, Shinoa, North Dakota or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm predicting. So, you know, the, the, the 2000s nostalgia is going to start creeping into uh, the content, the content world. Sure. Michael, any predictions for 2022? I'm, I know that there's been rumors of it, but I'm going to throw this out into the universe. And this is actually completely outside of my realm. This is definitely more so I'd say your thing, Chris, but Hercules on Broadway is going to be a thing in 2022. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I don't know that they've announced a date for that yet, but uh, I would love that. I would love to see that. Uh, Giants are in New York in April. So, you know, (laughs) they can get it together. Your boy might, you might, boy might have to catch a matinee, you know? Yeah. There you go. Um, I, I know that Hercules on Broadway was rumored, but I don't know that it was ever confirmed, right? No one, like Disney hasn't come out and been like, our next Broadway production. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not through. sure the details on that, but they definitely staged it in like a preview uh, at the New York Public Theater, mm. People's Theater, something like that. Got it. Um, so like it's in play. It's definitely in play. And, and it's Jelani Aladdin, who is like Disney boy. Yes, right, right, right. All right, let's pick up our 2021 discussion. Let's wrap this year up the Mouse Madness way. Uh, we're picking up the bracket where we have the number one seed, Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary celebration versus number nine, Encanto. Number four, WandaVision versus number 12, the, the film version of Jungle Cruise. 
Number 15, Raya and the Last Dragon versus number seven, Loki. Number three, Luca versus <laughs> number 11, Shang-Chi. So we got a lot of Marvel left on the board. Ton of it. Um, but before we get to that, let's do our first uh, f- round of eight matchup. Number one, Walt Disney World's 50th versus number nine, Encanto. Kyle, you did, a, you did a great job last episode outlining all of the offerings that the Walt Disney World 50th celebration had. Um, and, and while I definitely like the kind of like parks icon, uh, like the celebration of the park icons by like lighting them up in special ways or whatever, um, feels like we need a little bit more than that. Yeah. You know, like also is the tower of terror, the Hollywood studios icon because the, the Chinese theater is right there and the Chinese theater is a Hollywood landmark in real life. Anyways. That's a story for another Twitter thread. Um, <laughs> look, the Disneyland 50th was the best 50th anniversary of all time. You know, like, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and like. Welcome to our it's family different. time. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's different. Like Disneyland, obviously, it has, has cultural appeal that the Magic Kingdom doesn't. Sure. Um, and the fact that so many things that exist at Disneyland exist because of Disneyland, like they were a first of their kind. And a lot of the things in the magic kingdom are just Disneyland replicas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to, hard to compete. So you look at some things that they did at the Disneyland 50th, like let's give all of the attractions, golden ride vehicles. Let's hide a giant 50th hidden Mickey on all of the rides. Let's release all of these different merch lines and stuff like that. Uh, you know, let's do a whole 50th parade. How do you translate that to Walt Disney World? It's it's easier. It's much easier said than done, you know, because you could do the gold ride vehicle thing, I guess, maybe, but it would just feel like you were copying what you already did. Hence the golden Disney character thing that we were talking about in the last episode. Right. But like, what do those characters have to do with the Magic Kingdom in the Walt Disney World is what I'm is what I'm thinking, you know? Yeah. So someone, someone I saw online make the suggestion that like, wouldn't it be better if you took some of those parks exclusive characters like Figment and Orange Bird, uh, Orange Bird and uh, the dude from the Carousel of Progress and, uh, you know, your boy from the Norway ride that's not there anymore. Like whatever, the troll yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom Morrow. I don't know. Sure. Tom Morrow's already golden, so yeah. it, it could be that hard, right? <laughs> Anyways, take those like takes those like parks icons, those kind of like niche parks characters, like make them gold statues. Exactly. There might already be a figment statue. I don't know. I'm or even it doesn't that. even have to be. Okay, Michael's uh, pulling up one right now. Yes, there is a figment statue already. Great. Or even combine the two ideas. Have golden statues of and it doesn't have to be 50 of them that was an ambitious play uh throwback to when i was working for the a's and we put around 50 statues of stomper around the city of oakland oh that's a (laughs) lot of statues there's a lot of statues they were awesome because they were all individually designed by different artists but they were all the same statue anyways 50 is a lot and you could do the same thing but honor the 50th by putting golden statues of things that have been there for the full 50 years. Um, 
And even if the little statues are like little representations of the original attractions that were there, uh, you could still kind of do the same thing. So it was interesting that they went Disney characters just across the board, like Pixar, Disney, Parks, uh, and tried to fill up all the space. But, you know, WDW, it's bigger. Yeah, you got a lot more to fill. The show. So Harmon- we talked about Harmonious last week. It's pretty good, but it doesn't scream like 50th celebration. There's no new parade. Parades are kind of like on hold right now. Or are they running? Are parades running in Florida? Um, no. What they have right now, they're called cavalcades. Yeah. Yeah. One and of those. they okay. did they did bring in a new cavalcade for the 50th. Hmm. Got it. And they brought in kites. They brought in kites, which we should all be thankful for. Um, as far as attractions offerings, like, yes, we got Remy. Yes, we got Space 220, the restaurant. But, like, I'm over here, like, we, we, we should have gotten Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. We should have got the Tron Light Cycle Run. Yeah. Oh, you're going to sit here and tell me <laughs> that it's the 50th anniversary of the Magic Kingdom and the train is closed? <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. So, so all these things are great. Sure. Some of them are better than others, but like I, my mind is just kind of like automatically drawn to the things that could have been. Sure. When you, when you know what other projects are in the work uh, there in Florida and also just looking back on how awesome Disneyland's 50th celebration was. So, uh, Going up against Encanto here, and Encanto was just a great movie. And I think Disney has done a really great job becoming a powerful player in the content space, mm-hmm. which was something we were kind of worried about when Disney Plus was announced. We were like, will we want to subscribe to this service? Yeah. Are we just going to be sitting around watching Snow White all the time? <laughs> Are we just going to be sitting around watching 101 Dalmatians on a loop? I know Kyle is, but like, yep. are other people going to want to do that too? Uh, Disney has to keep making good things. Yes. And they have to keep branching out into other brands um, and tackle different subjects to keep our money and keep our attention in this, in this age of uh, unlimited content opportunities out there. There's just, there's just so much to consume. Um, so it's great to see a movie like Encanto uh, that is still a Disney Animation Studios movie uh, being great and performing relatively well at the box office as well. Uh, it's going to Disney Plus on December 24th, or it, it went to Disney Plus on December 24th. Hope y'all have seen it. If you haven't, watch it. Uh, but it did great. It, it w- did just fine. It wasn't because of uh, poor box office performance that they sent it there. It, we kind of theorized that maybe it was a lot of people were going to be home for the holidays. Yeah. And they're going to be looking for content to watch. Uh, like, oh, maybe we should sign up for a Disney Plus so uh, we can see Encanto. We don't have to go to the theaters. I don't know. Um, so, so I got Encanto here. I mean, as time goes on, I am starting to think of Disney less as a conglomerate of multiple businesses, but more as just a content powerhouse. And everything else is going to start falling into line behind that. Yeah. We're in the content age. We're in the middle and, you know, height of it currently with all of its offerings, with 
the investment space into things such as NFTs, right? Like we are purchasing content, we are investing in content. And Disney has led the way of how to do that. And it was really set up by their acquisitions of basically everything in order for that to happen. And this was a Roots movie, right? This is Disney Animation Studios, what this company was founded on. This was their their milestone 60th animated feature film, which is dope. Uh, and and for it to not fall flat, to for them to be like, this is our 60th. We've done 60 of these things and it's still good. That's a huge flex. 2021 across the board was a really down year for parks in general. There was a lot of mismanagement with the reservation systems, both on the side of the single day ticket buyer, as well as obviously magic key holders, APs. There was a struggle to open effectively. There's all of the issues with their app products and their technology once you're in the parks. It's a it's Disney trying to be in a space that they haven't acquired yet. Does that make sense? Like they they haven't yeah. acquired like a tech company to come and build this stuff out for them. Their their website, Walt Disney World and Disneyland are still dot goes dot coms. That's like an outdated domain. They're just lacking for this company that has been so tech first from its origins and animation. They haven't been able to transfer that over into the park experience and have just instead, we haven't had to give them a reason to, right? Because we still go to these parks and we pay, we vote with our money. And it's shown that these places have gotten even more popular over the years and they don't need to invest in it because it's a cash cow that they're going to continue to milk. That's why I think that there was less attention being paid to the Walt Disney World 50th anniversary celebration. I think that it's a place that you can say they're celebrating anything and there's going to be an, a slight uptick in ticket sales. People are going to go to see what this exclusive thing is. I remember on the day that they began the celebration on the actual 50th anniversary of the park's dedication, people like flocked to rope drop so that they could buy up all of the 50th anniversary merch. Disney still has that, that power behind its parks with little investment. And that's what a business is. How how much can we get out of something without it straining us? And that's unfortunate, but that's just how this era is working. Parks are still a great place, still a magical place. I'm still going to go my once a year and it's going to be great. But uh, this company was founded on that bread and butter of great storytelling. The 50th anniversary, if we're comparing story to story in this matchup here, is a disjointed one at best. Uh, it's very hard to tell what they're actually celebrating when you have statues of characters that haven't even been around for three years. <laughs> what does that have to do with the 50th anniversary of this exact resort? I'm going big upset here, baby. And Kanto passed the number one. Michael, I know this matchup is kind of difficult for you because you haven't seen Encanto yet. And I hope that now that it's on Disney Plus, you will. Uh, but what do you think about this upset here? Um... I'll take my little time to kind of defend, I guess, the yeah, please. Disney World 50th for just a sec. 2021, when it came to the 50th anniversary, I still think that there was a lot of uncertainty 
regarding what Disney was going to be able to do with the parks when it came to COVID restrictions and all of that. And I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they did everything in their power that they could to provide as much entertainment and as much, you know, celebration as they possibly could to everybody because knowing cast members having been during the 50th and stuff like that it's a really good time um I I definitely think you feel that little extra bit of magic especially from the cast members the cast members are all about it and you know they work so hard and they deserve a lot more than they truly get but um I think there's so many valid points that y'all made when it comes to, you know, stuff not being ready. I know Tron was supposed to be like the headliner of like, hey, we got this new dope ride that we're going to bring to everybody. Um, But it is an 18 month celebration that's going on for Walt Disney World. So Guardians will still be a part of that as long as it's uh, opened in summer of 22 as it's advertised which, you know, that could, could not happen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, um, I think with me where it really like brought me down a peg was the nighttime shows. Um, they got rid of happily ever after. And you know, that it is what it is. You, I don't like it, but again, even if you're not, you would think they'd bring in a nighttime show at Magic Kingdom that really celebrated the 50th anniversary and the culmination of Magic Kingdom in the 50 years that it's been. They didn't. They brought in a show that has nothing to do with the 50th. It brought in a Enchantment brings in a lot of new IP that, um, you know, yes, I understand kids will love. And with the projections and stuff, it's pretty cool. Um, but the music falls short in my opinion um it kind of it doesn't really have a lot of flow to it i don't know if y'all have seen it on youtube or not but the flow the flow to it is just really bad in my opinion hmm. um and then we can talk more about harmonious later but um you, you're going up against illuminations <laughs> i mean yeah i i think i think that's all that has to be said i mean i think getting rid of illuminations at epcot was maybe one of the worst decisions Walt Disney World has ever made. I mean, it was there for so long and there was really no point to get rid of it. And they've yet to put a show there that really even encapsulates half of what Illuminations did. But yeah, um, hopefully by this time I've seen Encanto and yeah, it's, it's a great movie. I definitely think that it should move on here. So let's go. Awesome. All right. Let's talk about this next matchup. It's number four, WandaVision versus the number 12, Jungle Cruise. We did a good job about talking about this uh, last episode, especially yeah. WandaVision. I gave my thoughts yeah. on Jungle Cruise. Great, great action adventure. Chris, you brought up a point I'd never really thought about, which is the portrayal of The Rock and the character that he plays, because he is usually like the big action star hero boy who saves the day. Um, or but, he's like ironically funny, you know, like yeah, uh, big boy, big heart. Yes, 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 yes. And here he is, kind of playing right in between those two things. Uh, I brought up that the second half of this movie feels like 
the fourth Pirates movie because it is, uh, but it also, The Rock plays a very similar character to Jack Sparrow, where it's this kind of like overly confident, hyper, well, he, <laughs> Jack Sparrow's not, but like I hyper-masculine in the sense of like overconfidence, really, um, and is attempting to persuade a group of people to do something making them think it's their idea but really it's it's their own what happens in jungle cruise is that he's up against emily blunt who is the smarter of the group and she's really in control the entire time and i thought that was cool like we get all these disney action movies where it's like the the male protagonist hero is the one that is you know leading the way and the damsel in distress is along with him, yada, yada, yada. But here we have Emily Blunt and the rock really bouncing well off of each other. I was worried about that dynamic, but I thought it worked out pretty well. But the second half of the film, man, is just like, what are we doing? We had such a solid storyline, such a solid, like it almost like plot twist for plot twist sake. Like it didn't do anything. It just actually made the movie a little bit worse. Unfortunately, worse in the fact that it made it, not as good as I thought it was going to be. But the first half I absolutely adored. But it's up against WandaVision, which I thought was just a great story. I thought it was a great performance on all fronts by all involved. You got some hints of X-Men showing back up into the MCU with, uh, what's his face? Uh, Evan Peters' character who plays uh, Quicksilver in the X-Men films. And that's obviously Wanda's twin we see that that fool dies in Age of Ultron but we see a new version of him that Wanda has created in her reality who happens to actually exist in different film franchise how is this multiverse thing working out (laughs) how is that all gonna play but it was a good hint into like Disney's ready where they're ready to get Spider-Man we've seen that with their allowance of Doctor Strange to be in this most recent movie. They're ready to take on the X-Men. We're eventually going to see X-Men 97 uh, on Disney+, Plus, and we're going to see, I think, some integration between the two uh, live-action series. But it was also just entertaining. As I said on last show, you could know close to nothing about Wanda, about Vision, about Marvel in general, and they provide enough context with flashbacks. They provide enough mystery that even the Marvel fans don't quite know what's going on. And it's just a really fun story and series to follow along with. So since I thought it was better from beginning to end than the Jungle Cruise, I'm going to move WandaVision on here. um, I'm not going to lie. I think of all of the Marvel things that came out this year, WandaVision might have been my least favorite. (laughs) Okay. Even like up against What If and even like Black Widow. I probably have WandaVision at the bottom. Why is that? I, I, I'm normally someone who loves uh, genre-bending comedy, mm-hmm. and, but none of it landed for me. Uh, if anything, it, I felt it really got in the way of the story, and it felt like a waste of time. Hmm. Uh, for example, it was maybe three episodes in, to the series before you really kind of realized what was going on. Yeah. Which I really liked. 
I see it's like the first episode, like you look back and you watch it and it's like, all right, that was 20 minutes of pointlessness, basically. Yeah, the the genre jokes they just didn't they just didn't land for me. Don't know why. Normally they do. You know, I love Teen Beach movie. All of those jokes <laughs> land for me. It just something about just the Marvel, like the attempt by Marvel to do it. I guess I'm just I'm just I just have kind of like MCU uh, antennas where I'm expecting everything to have like an implication of some kind, and like, right. they've conditioned my brain to think about like everything has to mean something and like everything has to go. There, there must be a causal chain to every single scene that happens in the MCU. And so um, it was, it was sort of hard for me to get through not really knowing where anything was going, I guess. I mean, maybe if I revisited it today, I might have some different opinions on it, but uh, I just, I, I, I don't love mystery, the mystery genre. In general as well. Well, then there you go. What's going on here? Everything is not as it seems. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I don't like a movie to mess with me. I hate it. (laughs) I don't like twists. Please reveal all of the information to me at the beginning. um, And I will enjoy the irony when when I know other characters. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Anyways, uh, I'm I'm going with the Jungle Cruise. Dang. I think I think for a film adaptation of the Jungle Cruise, uh, it was a good effort. Good effort. <laughs> it wasn't the best movie of all time, but I think it was better than it could have been. Uh, good effort. We're moving you on. Good effort. And dude, I love Frank. Frank is one of my favorite Disney characters. I invited him to my Thanksgiving. Yeah. Jerry's no, gang fair. knows what's up. Uh so Michael, you're gonna have to break this tie. WandaVision versus the Jungle Cruise. Gosh, this is such a good matchup. It really, really is. I really like WandaVision. Um, it's, I like the kind of, I like the direction they went with this. It was a lot of mystery. It was a lot of, let's bring old school and develop it all the way through a timeline into new school. Let's throw a twist in there. Oh, that's the villain. I can just see Olaf saying that right now, by the way. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> Olaf presents WandaVision. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's Jungle Cruise. Oh. It's wow. Jungle Cruise. Wow. Um, we got a lot of Marvel. That and that really might be the only reason. We got a lot of good Marvel this past year. And unfortunately for WandaVision, I think it kind of just gets like bundled into everything as in jungle cruise is it's disney it's truly disney um come you know it's coming from the ride i mean everybody will have an opinion on the rock but i thought his performance was really good um like like y'all said it with emily blunt i think they really meshed well together yeah there's a lot of silliness in the movie as well that was probably unneeded but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it from start to finish. I enjoyed that movie and I would definitely watch it again. Um, I probably will watch it again shortly, but um, yeah, it's definitely Jungle Cruise for me. It's moving on. Let's go. All right, let's hop over to the other side of the bracket where we've got the number 15 seed Raya and the Last Dragon versus number seven Loki. Uh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed Raya. That was pretty good. Um, Loki, I loved Loki. I, I could not wait 
for each Loki episode to come out. Um, I I find Loki to be a great character. Uh, he lives in that gray area where he's a little good and he's a little bad too. I gotta and ask you, you never know what he's gonna I gotta, do. Okay. I gotta ask yeah, you, something. you look confused. I gotta ask okay. you something. We just got done talking about how you know you, you you like it laid out. You don't want too much mystery. You you want things to kind of go linear. This talk about a mystery. How how is this not mysterious to you? This entire show, we were trying to figure out what the heck the TWA was and what they're up to and what they're doing and who this you know variant that they were hunting was and then we're trying to figure out like at the end of the series where they ended up and what they're actually on a search for it was the entire thing was like i felt like it felt like lost it was it was like what what doors opening up to what thing see i felt that that all of the information was there uh and there's context clues to kind of uh they can kind of help you predict where things are going. For example, uh, you know, the way that the TVA is like um, depicted stylistically. Um, it's very like 1950s business. Um, and everyone kind of is acting like they're like office drones. Uh, and, the, and Judge Renslayer is very like by the book and uptight. Um, and you just, you, you can kind of guess that like, this this show is going to be about fighting this, whatever this uptight system is. Um, and they keep talking about these time lords that like are very difficult to get to. And that's your clue as an audience member to be like, okay, uh, that's not right. Something's going on there. Whereas in WandaVision, it's like, oop, the screen flickered a little bit. Uh-oh, what's going on? Who knows what's happening? You don't know. Sure. Like, do you see the difference there? Yeah. I, or, I, or am I grasping I get it? I just don't think that the difference is significant enough to discount one but hop on to the other. Fair. Um, I, I, I like uh, the music in Loki a lot. Music was phenomenal. It's a theme song and just general music throughout. Um, great. Love the opening titles. Uh, love all of the conversations. Just pe- two people sitting around a table talking. Um, I think it was the first or second episode. Uh, Mobius sits down with Loki and uh, they, st- they have a very long conversation about like Loki's purpose in life yeah. uh, and like why he does the things that he does. Uh, and it's very, it's just very uh, gripping, uh, and and it kind of establishes this theme of like what is what is life, what is what is time, what, like what is what is the value in any of it, what is the value in anything that we do. Yeah, all that is explored in a really human type way and low key, um, in, in in a in a variety of characters. Like I said, you got Judge Renslayer, who's like very by the book. I mean, in it, she kind of represents that like blind obedience to authority person. Um, and you've got the you've got the the golden retriever that is Owen Wilson as as Mobius. <laughs> that kind of like, uh, at what point do you stop being a good guy and start being uh someone who's going to cause some ripples? Yeah. 
Um, and then you've got someone like Loki where you go, all right, like, is, can, can you be saved from all of the bad things that you've done? Right. And then you get someone like, um, Lady Loki. I can't remember what they call her in the, in the, in the show, but, uh, she's a, she's a lone wolf. Right. And it's like, what, what value is life if you have no one to share it with? Uh, there's just so there's just so many great little themes going on throughout. Um, so many great like heart to heart conversations about uh, relationships and situations and uh, that kind of stuff. It just really it just really hits that sweet spot for me. Um, and it uh, Sylvie Sylvie, thank you, Michael. It's something you don't often get in like a Marvel movie that's very action packed. Uh, you know, you got to get the you got to get the bad guy in there, and you got to whatever. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's definitely advancing over Riot and the Last Dragon for me. Yeah, I would probably agree with you. I had less enjoyment out of Raya than I did Loki. I really, really enjoyed Loki. I liked what it kind of ended up with Kang the Conqueror kind of showing that the multiverse has opened up and I'm afraid of the other variants of me showing up because they're a lot worse than I am. And I've been trying to keep this all together, but some event has happened and now they're about to get out, which I think we all know what that event could be. And it's, it didn't feel like fluff. It felt like it was moving the story. It was moving the Marvel universe along. It's, I mean, all of these shows have, but that one in particular uh, and it came from a different angle. It came from this villain as opposed to all of these other shows that have come from protagonists. It's interesting to see like Loki was a big part of phase one of the of the Avengers and of that entire Infinity Stone saga uh, up until he dies. So what happened in between all of that time and how is that going to play into where we're getting to now? Raya was a great adventure flick. Great world building, loved the different kingdoms of of that world, loved the conflict between all of them uh, and the kind of political nature of what each place had. Like there, we brought this up in the Raya review where there was an entire kingdom that hadn't eaten rice before because another kingdom was kind of hoarding the rice. And that's a real world type of thing. I mean, we're kind of seeing it with vaccines currently. And it's it's putting us into a place of reality, but also fantasy. And I think that's what Disney does very, very well. It's when they dip too far into fantasy onward, which then you kind of lose the audience right off the bat. Uh, and you have to rely on a storyline, which just becomes a buddy cop movie. I know that, uh, Michael, you really enjoyed that film and I, I hate to always hearken on it, but, uh, that's just always the example for me. So Chris, I'm going to agree with you here. Uh, this was a big year for Disney and Marvel. Uh, it was a huge year and they have big shoes to fill after kind of acquiring what the Kevin Feige and the uh, Marvel Studios already set into motion. And this is a great start for them. So I, I think that Loki is deserving of moving on. Michael, what are your thoughts? 100%. Um, it's definitely Loki here. Um, probably can talk about it more later, but Tom Hiddleston as Loki maybe one of the best actor portrayals for a superhero ever honestly 
Sure. Sure. They definitely found their guy. And it's very incredible just in general that these Marvel sans a few of them, but that these Marvel uh, characters and the actors that portrayed them have wanted to stick around for the 12 years that they have existed or whatever. You know, it's it's impressive. It's really cool. And I'm glad that Tom has stuck with it because I can't imagine really anybody else playing that that part now uh, after he's done it for so long. Let's Maybe move on to alligator. this. We'll get the alligator. Didn't even talk about the alligator yet. We can save that for the next round. But uh, let's move on to this last Elite Eight matchup. It is number three, Luca versus number 11, Shang-Chi. And I... I mean, to keep it short and sweet, I think it's going to have to be Luca here. I I really loved Shang-Chi and what that character and the dynamic between him and Katie are going to bring into the MCU, even though I wasn't too hot because I'm not too hot on Aquafina in general. But that that buddiness is going to come into play, I think, big time. I think Katie's going to die, but we'll we'll see about that uh, <laughs> and give Shang-Chi a little something to fight for. But they're going to be a great part, a great addition into the MCU. They're naive. They're brand new. They have kind of acquired these new set of skills very recently. And it's very reminiscent of how Tom Holland's Spider-Man began and how he kind of acquired these skills and these tech and became who he was. And then we have this final film that I still won't spoil for folks. So uh, it's interesting. It's going to be that kind of new kid on the block mentality, but he's also strong as hell and and very skilled. It's a great addition. But Luca was just such a great animated film by Pixar. Uh, it was great to see what felt like a very original storyline compared to a lot of what the animation side of Disney has been putting out recently, which was a lot of sequels and reboots. It was really nice to see something fresh and something that didn't look like everything else. There was Snapchat and Instagram filters of like what you would look like as a Pixar character or what you would look like as a Disney character. It's a very specific style. And it was cool to see them go a different direction. We're going to see it more and more. We see it with this upcoming like Red Panda film that looks more similar to what Luca was. But it's great. It didn't detract from anything. It, it If anything, kind of refreshed what we've seen over the past few years. I think the storyline between these friends was very authentic and relatable. You have a lot of family issues, family dynamics, the lack of full family homes that's reflected by basically everyone except for Luca, who also just doesn't feel like he belongs with his own family. And that kind of, you know, get out of your small town and go experience some life a little bit. And you see that with Luca. I just think that it was such a well done film that hit on a ton of themes in just the right amount of ways. Uh, It has to move on here for me. Yeah, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, uh, I love Luca. It's a I don't think it's quite as good as Brave, but it's definitely a top five <laughs> Pixar movie, I think, for me. Um, Michael, are, are you good with us advancing Luca here? Oh, 100%. Luca, love Luca. All right. Well, uh, here we are, final four. It's number nine, Encanto versus number 12, Jungle Cruise. 
Number seven, Loki versus number three, Luca. Oh. Interesting. So we got we've got a Disney animated, a Disney live action, a Marvel TV series, and a Pixar, Pixar. film. I love it. I love it. Yeah, so we got some good representation, but like gone are the news items, the events, the parks, things. And we've got four really good pieces of content that came out this year. Just as you said at the top, this Disney Just, company yeah. is becoming more of a content powerhouse than it is like a media conglomerate. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I feel really bad continuing to advance in Canto because Michael hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> F- future Michael has, but present Michael has not. Um, but it's a better movie than The Jungle Cruise. Uh, the Jungle Cruise was uh, a nice surprise, maybe. I um, mean, Encanto was too, but I think Encanto probably has some lasting appeal for me. Uh, not to mention Jungle Cruise was a 2020 release that got pushed to 2021. Um, and Encanto kind of had this spot, I think, for, for a while. Yeah. Um, and they were able to make it work. Uh, it's got the, it's got the Lin-Manuel Miranda aspect he's never been hotter i mean the rock has never been hotter either to be honest sure um no it's going to be very interesting uh seeing kind of kind of where they go from here with encanto um because i think they've got a lot of really fun characters that they can do a lot with um i don't really see the story going anywhere else but but how do they incorporate this maybe into parks yeah uh you know into parades i know they've got a mirabelle meet and greet uh, and I think they recorded like Stephanie Beatrice meeting and greeting with Mirabelle. Oh, that's but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's a it's a great movie, and and in addition to being one that was produced largely at home, uh, it was produced by a lot of native Colombians um, and people of Colombian heritage. So um, it's uh, I think a culturally impactful movie. As well, which is something we certainly need more of and uh, and kind of what we are looking for in 2021. I'm going with Encanto to the finals. I know it hasn't been with us for very long, but when we're talking about uh, Disney animated movies, this was supposed to be the only one we were getting in, in 2021 after Raya got pushed slightly. Uh, and I think it I think it earns its spot. I know that in past brackets, in year in reviews and things of 2010s, we've often said, yeah, this thing is great, but does it have the staying power? Is it something that we're going to remember in the next couple of years? Is it something, is it too new to be crowned or to move on? And in this case, there's just something about Encanto that feels long lasting, like impactful to not only Disney animation, but like us as viewers. It doesn't have the the hype, or at least I haven't seen the hype and the fanfare around it like we did, say, Frozen. But I think that it has a similar cultural impact in that it tells a story that is very thoughtful, that isn't just adventure-based, that is relatable to you no matter who you are and where you come from but also isn't just the same old fairy tale and that's what disney is going to continue to run into is how do we stay this 
quote unquote magical fairy tale ish fantasy company without telling the same stories over and over again. And we see them having done that in the 2010s into the 2020s with their retellings and reimaginings and sequels. But now they're back to kind of how do we create original content? And if we're seeing what they do with Luca, if we've seen what we they've done with Encanto, we're on the right path. Like it's going they're they've got the right people on at the helm in these studios that are really thinking outside the box and tapping into other cultures that have other stories that have not been told yet and allowing them the platform and the place to tell them. I think that's fantastic. And that's in 2021, that's where you want your movie studios to be. When we were in the theater, there's a ton of cultural humor in Encanto that went way over my head. But I was sitting next to a family that definitely understood what was happening and was cracking up at so many of the references and some of the things that the characters were saying in Spanish. And it was just like, I'm so happy that this exists and that now finally people can enjoy a film that they feel like they can really connect to. It was really nice to see. I really liked that. That's not to say that, I mean, I haven't passed on Jungle Cruise really this entire bracket. And I, like I said, thought it had a lot of promise. I loved the first half. There was something about like the, the color grading on this film matched with the CGI that they were employing that made things seem a little bit off. Like there was every time they were going down the river and it was a side shot of like the rock, like driving the boat or them sitting on the boat. There was this weird, like them feeling hyper-realistic with the background feeling almost not realistic enough. We're starting to run into that problem with a lot of stuff I've been noticing just in general. Um, But I mean, that's just a a small quip that I probably didn't even need to say because I'm definitely moving Encanto on, which is so funny because Michael, I'm sorry that you have not seen it. And and I guess luckily you haven't had to break a tie except for one with Encanto in it. But um, does any of this inspire you to to, to turn off this podcast right now and go see it? (laughs) Oh, definitely. Um, so I actually huge fan of Stephanie Beatrice, a uh, mm. huge Brooklyn nine, nine fan. So all about it. Um, yeah, for sure. Everything that y'all have said definitely makes me want to go ahead and buy my ticket and go to the movies tomorrow and see it with my family. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I like jungle cruise, but I definitely am going to take y'all at your word and just believe that Encanto is magical and basically Disney incarnate. <laughs> Stephanie Beaches, yeah, we haven't really talked about her, but it's so funny to have her because I really only know her from Brooklyn Nine Nine, and she plays this very callous, straight to the point kind of character, and now here she is as this like very realistic, optimistic, you know, high energy character. It's just so bizarre to know that that's her, and she gets to like sing, so that's pretty funny. Uh, let's move on to this final final four matchup to see who's going to first Encanto in the finals. It's living La Vida Loki Luca is number seven Loki versus number three Luca. At what point do we just say, and is, is this the day that Marvel can win a best Disney thing? Because 
further and further, it's becoming more and more ingrained into Disney and Disney storytelling. We're seeing its major streaming service being marketed heavily with its Marvel content. We're seeing entire lands being built in its theme parks just for this studio. When is I think it, it acceptable? Depends. I, think it, I think it depends who you ask. Okay. I think if you ask someone who's like seen all of the uh, Marvel stuff, you go, this is, this is inspiring um, and imaginative and gets, gets my creativity stirring in the same way that uh, a Disney does, you know, yeah. a Disney animated picture or whatever. I mean, this is kind of built into the fabric of the company is like, we're going to tell the stories that people of this time period want to hear. We're going to try and, and meet them where they're at. And in 1955, when Disneyland opened, they, the Wild West and uh, Pack Mules and uh, Aunt Jemima's Pancake House and things like that, that's what people wanted. And yeah. they were very inspired by that. And now um, superheroes in uh, intergalactic science fiction Oh, is is popular, you know, sure. and I mean it has been for a long time. But uh, the nerds won, the nerds <laughs> won, and this is this is what uh, everyone wants. I mean, it's if anything, I would say, uh, it it has gotten Marvel has gotten better with Disney because you take all of that kind of uh, pension for science fiction. And larger than life storytelling and, and epic storytelling, you take some of that from from the original Marvel Studios, uh, and you and you pair it with Disney's history for telling real human stories, real authentic stories, and and ones that have massive appeal and that that you know everyone in your family can find something in, uh, and they and they meet up in things like Loki. And they meet up in, uh, you know, things like Spider-Man No Way Home. Sure. And it's like, it's, uh, Marvel has never been better because of Disney. And uh, Disney is using Marvel as its vessel to, to tell the stories that it wants to tell. Yeah. I so, think so, so, so yes. I mean, I mean, I, I have no problem with it. It's just, uh, it's just, you know, I get it. I get it. Like I said, I think it depends who you ask, but uh, this is this is the world we live in right now. Yeah, I think that's a great answer to that. And it's great to always call upon any time that these, especially the parks change or be, you know, updated to be more current, that they were founded on this idea of this wild west because that media was popular at the time not because it was a, a, a homage to the past and to the settlers of this nation no it's because some of the most popular tv and radio programs of the time were w wild west shows <laughs> like disney's very good at telling a story that's what they specialize in so they can tell you whatever they want but if you look at the context of the historical significance of that that move in in the building of the park you see that they're just kind of reflecting what american society was looking for and they were looking for wild west content they gave them a real life one 
We've been looking for superhero content because we've been eating it up for the past 12 years. They're going to give us a real life one. That's just the name of the game and they've never changed since. So, well, what about you. like what what about some of the in between? Like like the late 80s, early 90s. You know, like what was the what was the landscape like of the park? What was the what was the content strategy like from uh Disney Animation and Disney Pictures? So like what was popular? Uh you know, you had the Disney Renaissance where you had like the yeah, fairy Little like Mermaid, the fairy tales were, were back. Yep. Yep. Um you had you had things like uh in the early 2000s like like comedy was was like at its peak, you know, and you yep. had uh, Drew Honey, Carey Drew Carey in the, the park. Right. Honey I shrunk the uh, yeah, uh, Roger the Rabbit, yep. you know, like let's let's make it funny. Like people like you know, Jim Carrey is a super popular performer and Mike Myers is a super popular performer. And how do we, you know, uh, how do we meet, meet, meet our audience with like wacky and crazy Toontown? Like, Oh, it's so crazy. Yep. Oh no, no. They like extreme now. So let's do, let's do X games, summer of X games, you and know, we're like, approaching, so, you know. we're approaching the two thousands. So let's think what looks futuristic for a Tomorrowland refurb in 98. And let's update all these storylines and in the music there and yeah it's this has been happening <laughs> it'll be interesting to see kind of like what in 2040 like are we still telling superhero stories like at the rate that we are now you know does sure. you know does something from the past make another comeback or uh 2040 you know? anaheim Shoot. owns disneyland resort and they turn everything into an orange grove theme and we just go back to Bountiful Family Valley Farms, DCA 1.0. Here for it. Here for it. Here for it. <laughs> I, I mean, at that point, probably we'll just have to sit in a chair and they'll just inject the Disney into directly into our temples and we'll just be there. Yeah, unless the oceans eat us up because climate change is mm. happening. We're not going to be around. But yeah, yeah all, right. I, all your points, all your points are completely correct. I think that that's, that is the argument. Like, Marvel is as much of Disney as what Disney was to begin with. And Disney has always borrowed from other works. It's rarely, it's rare that anything is original ever anymore. And that's just what they were founded on. And that's what's happening here with Marvel. We're retelling literal comic book stories. We're adapting them for screen and we're making them a little bit more. So all of that, that long tangent is to say that I think that Loki is a great example of Disney furthering the foundation of something that already exists. And they do that very well in general. Animation, we can all say that Steamboat Willie was the first synchronized cartoon, but there was other cartoons before Steamboat Willie. It's just that Walt Disney has an animation studio in America, and that's what the press picked up on. So they were able to perfect it and further it. And I think that without somebody like Disney, Marvel couldn't have the studio or the the chops to make something like this happen. And so now they can. And now we're going wild. We're literally opening up different universes <laughs> with with the help of Disney because we can. So I think that Loki is a great example of that. They're bringing in characters that normal human being people that haven't read the comics have never heard of that we're interested in. They're bringing in other entities and concepts like the TVA into the fold, making it accessible to everyone uh, as you watch. You It requires, in my opinion, a little bit more context than, say, a WandaVision, but 
it's still just as investing for someone who may not know Marvel. It could be a very good injection into Marvel, especially that first episode when we see like how Loki grabs the Tesseract and disappears. And it's like, oh, what happened there? Well, we got 12 movies we got to go watch real quick and we'll, we'll show you exactly how Loki gets there. I think that I still just love the simplicity and the power of Luca. And I think that's just also something that Disney has always done very well is take these stories and make them simple and accessible and yet impactful. And you see that with all of their kind of early fairy tale stuff. That's a lot of what happens with the Renaissance is we're going back to the simplistic storyline, but we're going to add a lot of elements to that plot that make it more impactful than just a, you know, girl falls in love, girl has to encounter a problem, boy saves girl. They try to get a little too fancy with it in a lot of some of the early 2000s stuff. And now we're coming, coming back to this, like, let's make it simple and let's make it heartfelt and let's make it real. And Luca does that very, very well. And I think that it's that angle as opposed to Loki, which is like, you better be watching <laughs> and you better be taking some notes and you better be following along. With Luca, you just, you get it and you understand what's happening and you, it just feels, it feels warm. And I like me a warm Disney tale. I'm going to go with Luca to the finals. Um, I'm, I, I feel bad for Pixar. I feel like Pixar is kind of the forgotten Disney brand these Especially days. Especially this film. Absolutely yeah. played. Yeah. Um, and it's incredible. I mean, Luca, I watched it on the airplane and then got home and watched it again. It's just so good. Yeah. But Michael said it. 2021 was a year of so much Marvel. And that's what I'm going to think of when I look back on, on this year. There was like 10 Marvel things, um, which is a lot. And, and of all those things, Loki was the best one, in my opinion. Um, not only was it a big year for Marvel and Marvel fans, it was a big year for me because it was my first year in the in Marvel. Marvel <laughs> in Marvel. My first movie was Iron Man 3 when we were doing our best holiday movie bracket last year at this time. Yeah, right. Um, and so I spent uh, last winter into early spring watching all of the MCU films. And then I, I finished Endgame like the week before WandaVision came out. And then, you know, here we are. So yeah. uh, I, I have to give it to Marvel here. I have to give it to Loki here. So Michael, you're breaking the tie. You got the Loki Luca <laughs> tie break. Which one's going to the finals? And this is a finals level matchup oh yeah it is i'm just gonna go with what my first gut feeling was and it's luca um i love what kyle said about disney trying to overdo over fluff certain movies and this one was simple to the point a lot of friendship involved and I was so pleasantly surprised. I went into watching this movie with such terrible expectations of I'm not going to like this. And I came out of it like, wow, this this might be the best Disney movie I've seen in a, a good bit. So um, I love Loki. I And I love Marvel. My dog's name is Thor. So <laughs> um, definitely have some commitment there. 
but I don't know when when it came to everything it's it was such a tough choice Loki is really good and I do believe that Loki is going to end up being the series that kind of kicked off this whole multiverse of madness and this next step into the Marvel universe. But at the same time, it is a Marvel universe. Uh, and Luca is a standalone movie that when I go back and look at it, it's like, okay, I can look at this and I know what I'm seeing. I know what I watched as in with like Loki, there's so many moving parts and it's going to be just one small part of a bigger picture in the end. So until we All get right, Luca, so, Luca two spring yeah, break, summer vacation, Luca two the college years. I mean, I, I, I Luca verse, like, let's do it. The, I want to see the local, I want to see the Luca variant who goes and stays with uncle Olga or whatever his <laughs> yes, name is. That's right. Down in the <laughs> abyss. Uh, and I want to see how his summer plays out there. Uh, I want to see. I wanna in s- that too. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to see the Luca variant where Luca doesn't get on the train. Oh, and Alberto, Albert, what if, what if, what if Alberto kept the best book? Wow! And they break down. They break down driving through the Alps trying to get to Germany. What if? Yeah. Oh wow! There's a lot. They get eaten by a bear. They didn't. They they didn't realize <laughs> that snow was a thing. What oh. if they didn't stop at a Vespa? Next thing you know, they're trying to build an F1 car. See, that would <laughs> the fit. Porta Rosa cup uh, turns into the the what's it called? What's the cup? What's the F one? Uh, the Drivers World Championship. There you go. There you go. Put Luca in that in the cockpit. Put a, he he ends up joining Ferrari, and then a portal opens up, and suddenly Luca is an F one car in the Cars universe. Yes, just and then the dude. And then the dude from Iron Man, the bad guy from Iron Man 2 shows up and starts <laughs> wailing starts on everybody. <laughs> Chopping cars, universe, cars in half, killing <laughs> Mouse Madness universe. Oh, we've got a lot. We've uh, Alright. So 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 we're down to our finals. The best Disney thing of 2021. Is it the number nine seat? Disney Animation Studios in Kanto? Or the number three seat? Pixar's Luca. Ooh. I mean, these are two incredible movies. Two movies that I was very surprised to be so good. Yeah, same. At the end of the day, Luca has everything that I love about Encanto, minus the part that I don't like about Encanto, which is the music. Sure. And Luca's got a brilliant Pixar score to accompany it. I mean, it's got the visuals, the incredible water effects, great color palette, great themes, great lessons, great finale, great relationships, great characters, uh, sad moments, great finales, uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, uh, a great uh, on-screen gift as well, that train ticket. <laughs> a great on-screen gift. Um, yeah, for me, it's Luca. It's Luca for sure here. I liked yeah. Encanto a lot, but but I gotta gotta give some love for for the young Prince Luca. The Luca Loki matchup, I think, definitely had finals caliber, but I think this is also a very worthy finals matchup. 
And I'd be super happy with either of these winning because I really love Encanto. Uh, I really, really love Luca. But I agree with you. I think that Luca is just the more powerful story. I think that it is something that surprised a lot of people. It has it had hype behind it once people started watching it and it lived up to that hype. It was, it felt like there was an issue that you had recently with Pixar, which is regarding Coco really, but them, them really digging into like, we're going to make you cry right here moment. Luca like touched upon a, we're going to make you cry right here moment, but didn't dig deep. Like that wasn't why they did it. They did it because it was an important part and a great part of the story to tell. Uh, and that's fantastic. That's what we want to see. That's what how we want to feel. We want the story to move us, not that moment. And that's exactly what happens here in Luca. Not to say that that same thing doesn't happen in Encanto because it does, and it's way more intense. And Michael, I won't spoil it for you, but uh, it's such a great film. Both of them are. But you know what? Start stitching the banner, baby, because we got Luca as the best Disney thing of 2021 and as we do at the end of every single bracket we are going to clap it out this feels fitting this feels fitting because the as i said at the beginning of this parks had a down year 2021 was not a great time for the parks 2021 was a crazy good year of marvel but it was almost too much marvel so much so that it was muddying things up and then you have these power hit animations like Luca and like Encanto, and they were able to steal the show like they did here on this bracket. Good point. Good point. This, uh, all these Marvel things split the Marvel vote. It did. It did. They needed to pick an electable <laughs> phase four project to, to go onto this bracket. Um, but folks, I mean, I mean, that does it for 2021. I mean, we look forward to 2022 where we might have Mandalorian season three. Yep. On the bracket. We might have a book of Boba Fett on the bracket. Bobby Fett, maybe Bobby Fett. But we got baby Bob. Uh we might have some Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout on here. We might we might have the return of Bob Iger as CEO on here. Oh my goodness. Who knows? Who knows? Uh Michael, thank you so much for joining us again on this year end retrospect. Uh, always great to have you on the show. Oh, always happy to be here, guys. And Luca won. Oh my gosh. That was, that's what I picked before, before we did any of this. That was my pick. I was, I was so amazed at how good that movie was just going in with the expectations I did. And what Luca did for me that I haven't felt really in a, I'd say at least a couple, two, three years, at least that movie made me feel Disney nostalgia. Like if I had watched it as a little kid, I would, I would have loved it the exact same level as watching it as I do now. Huh. It's a great way to put it. I know the feeling. So I I definitely, I definitely um, went into this bracket with two. I had two things pretty high up there. So I I won't mention the other one, but Luca, Luca was the number one seat in my mind. It was genie plus. It was definitely. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Well, uh, you know how to reach us. If you got something to say about our 2021 picks, do you have a bracket idea for us? 
for 2022. Would you like to hop on the pod and do some co-hosting slash tie-breaking duties in 2022? Make it your New Year's resolution <laughs> to hit us up. Email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All of those are linked in the description of this podcast. Please join our Discord fam. Our Discord fam is so fun. Yep. We're talking about Disney like all day long. Just dropping Disney things that happen throughout our day. Reacting to breaking Disney news. Uh, Mandy feeding us Disney TikToks around the clock. <laughs> um, and it's a great time. Just click the link and sign up for Discord. It's super fun. Uh, or if you'd like to support us on Patreon, head to patreon.com slash mousemadness and become a member of Jerry's gang at the $5 level where you have access to things like voting on bracket topics, live unedited video recordings of our episodes. Oh, uh, you've got uh, an invite to seasonal Jerry's gang Disney trivia night, which oh, is yeah. super fun. Oh yeah. Uh, we had a great time uh, November when we, when we rolled with that. Um, and and uh, bonus episodes, of course. Two bonus episodes a month. Never know what you're going to get. We've got uh, we've got a trip to the parks coming up in January, so we're going to have a, some some super fun Jerry's Gang episodes uh, that are parks related coming up. So you don't want to miss that. Everybody, hope you have uh, a happy and safe new year, and and we wish you all the best in 2022. Thank you so much for supporting us uh, for another year of of madness, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you all soon. Take care.